This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Today on the pod, we are going to go through all the drama of the last day of the season. We'll talk about that relegation battle, how Ole Gunnar Solskjaer done, as well as saying goodbye to legends such as David Silva and Leighton Baines. We also have a little chat about a little troublesome goalkeeper and talk about our winners and chumps. Hello and welcome to a pod of two halves. Do not adjust your podcasting provider. Things are a little bit different round here. In line with the new restrictions for COVID, we're allowed to use five subs. And just like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, wait until the 84th to bring it in. Eh? Topical? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, Woods, Lee, my boys, are you well? How are you doing? I'm yeah. good, man. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm glad that we've done the smart thing here, which is that we've managed to replace Mikey with another Manchester United fan. I think it's key. <laughs> it's key for continuity. It's really hard to find these Essex-based Man United fans. It really is. <laughs> we had to scour. We had to scour the entirety of South Essex, and we managed to stumble across just one. It's all good. It's all good. So, Mikey, if you are listening, I hope this does well, mate. It must sound like someone driving your car. Actually, you don't drive, do you? Like fucking your wife. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. I'm a wife. <laughs> yes, well, yes. I'm, spe- I'm, I'm speaking to the closest thing he has to a wife, Lee. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad. Uh, as I just announced, uh, I am shitting myself because I don't have my wife next to me to kind of just guide me through, you know, what, basically what I do is I just turn up, I plonk down, I put my headphones on and I, I'm away. Whereas Michael That's does all, all, all the technological stuff of literally turning on a laptop, which for me is a scary, scary process. <laughs> but uh, I, I got through it. I'm here. I'm good. We usually have about 10 minutes before we start recording of Mikey going, what's that noise? <laughs> what's that noise? <laughs> playing, with the, playing with the volume. Just <laughs> playing with the, the game hey, and the hey. volume. What's that noise? <laughs> 
as an audio geek, I, I can relate. Uh, so <laughs> let's talk about it, boys. It was the end of the season, the longest season on record. I don't know why people keep making this out a big thing. Obviously, it's the longest season. There was that fucking long COVID thing that kind of stopped football from playing. It wasn't like Lawrence of Arabia. Of, I just imagine this montage of a footballer going, oh, 52 weeks of football. <laughs> It was a year. It was genuinely a year for Wolves this season. That's mental. Um, well, yeah, because they obviously, like you say, because the Europa League qualification, they had to they had to start early, didn't they? Well, they so, still and they finished. might have to go right through. <laughs> yeah, they're still going. <laughs> they're still playing. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, when do more than a year, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. They've got the, they got the Europa, Europa League, so that kicks off in August. So, what, they're playing until September. Like, I, I, I did hear that they're going to have a six-week break. Like, they're going to... Yeah, what's going to happen? How's Magaluf going to cope with the pre-season? <laughs> footballers, yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, there's going to be a six-week break, so they're going to have to stagger the start for, I think, the European teams. So, Wolves, Manchester United uh, in the Europa League, and I think, well, Chelsea, not really, uh, but uh, City as well. So, I think those three teams in particular, because they're going to be playing into August, they're going to have to wait six weeks to kick off because they've got to give them a proper break. What, what is the date for the football start again? For next 12th season? of September, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds right. So, when do Wolves or any of the Europa League teams, Man United included, when when but if they say we were to get to the final, you know, and play this whole little is it mid end August? So I'd have to yeah, assume that it would be end of September that they'd be kicking a ball first. So how to how would they put a six week break in then for them? Because th- when you say stagger it, that's going to be seriously staggering it. Yeah, it is. I don't. Do I don't know. Be... I mean, Premier League teams are going to play like three or four games before they start. Well, let's, I mean, they're going to be at a disadvantage immediately, aren't those teams? Because if you think about it, if they're going to have a, a delay, uh, those games that they're going to miss, which, like you say, will be either three to four games, they're going to have to be put in somewhere. And the, the season ends in May. So they, they're already shortened the season by a month, half a month. So they're going to have to squeeze those games in somewhere. So if you're Manchester United and you're going deep into the Europa League, um, you've got a risk that you're going to be having like uh, maybe probably towards the end, back into the season, multiple games in a really short amount of time. It's going to become very difficult. That's fine, mate. Europa League's pre-season training, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> well, it'll be interesting so to see you... what players go, right? Because there's an argument very for Manchester true. United to go, well, um, I mean, jumping ahead to <laughs> talking about Manchester United, but they've qualified for the Champions League. Um Obviously, winning the Europa League, it's, it's still an important trophy to win. But you've got to wonder, United have looked knackered for the last couple of weeks because the amount of games. So you wonder if you kind of look to those players and go, would you rather have a break? Or do you want to play in this competition? I know players will probably go, I want to play. It's a trophy. want to go win the trophy. But there must be an element that with the you know the, the, the management there that are kind of like, we'd rather that you guys go get rested because we want to really go head on and try and compete for for the title next season, as ridiculous as that may well seem with a 33-point gap to Liverpool. Like, literally, Liverpool could have... I was was trying to think of all the things Liverpool could have done instead of played football for 10 matches and just take the 3-0 loss and just literally just gone, fuck it, we're going to play checkers... We're going to just... Just in the stand, up. right? Just, just in the stand, right? playing cards or something instead of going on Oh my on God, the best game of hide-and-seek ever. You've got an empty stadium, right? You can really fucking go, go out for we'll, it. We'll sit there and rile up uh, Lampard. <laughs> 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 yeah, I guess we haven't spoken since then. I, I still don't know what was said, right? So, for Frank Lampard to get that wound up, 
something must have been said that really irked him. And it wasn't Kloppo. Um, it was his assistant. The Kloppo um, took the brunt of it in the end. He did end up taking the brunt of it, but, he, you know, not surprisingly. I think there's probably an element of massive stress. I was stressed, and I'm just a fan, right? Ultimately, the worst mm. that happens to me is I come on the podcast, I get bantered by Man United fans. Um, <laughs> for, for Frank, it's like a big deal because, it, you know, he, he's... You put that it's pressure on yourself, right? That first season, yeah, and ultimately finishing fifth. Bearing in mind we'd been in top four since um, October, it would have been a massive, like uh, deflating end to the season. It would have taken mm. the shine off what has felt like a a relatively positive season. It's, it's not, been, not over yet, right? Yeah, still wear makeup. Yep, got that to play at the weekend. Um, oh, I, 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 we've got a terrible record against Arsenal in the FA Cup finals, though. I would say well, that. Let's, Come on. We'll get to that in a minute, Woodsy, but let's uh, let's talk about the, the the final day, right? The relegation yeah. battle, because let's face it, the top was pretty fucking boring other than the, that third place battle, which was, you know, yeah, great. The table don't lie, boys, as they say. But um, <laughs> but let's talk about the, the relegation thing. During that day, uh, I think Sky were predicting that it was going to be one of those crazy days where they have the table and every five seconds, like, oh, let, let's check the table. Oh, he's moved up. That's moved down. All those. And it wasn't really that was it i mean we did have a little bit of drama towards the end but how did you think about the the relegation battle this year uh, watford fucked it like properly <laughs> fucked it mate. because um arsenal had clearly had one eye on on saturday already for, for them their season was already over um they they already basically failed the premier league season um so watford went into the game with being the only team that had anything to play for and they considered the penalty after what 36 seconds oh my god they basically yeah. decided you know what we're going to start you know when you do when you play fifa and you can win a trophy and you do those challenges that pop up and say right you're starting three nil down and you've got to try and win it in the last 40 minutes that's what they were they were playing real life fifa the owners were and they thought oh we'll, we'll get the achievement of sack our manager a couple of games before as well <laughs> it just it's just baffles you doesn't it what that, what were the they issue, thinking though. that's this issue because it's the owners that have come in and obviously they've They've looked at the last two fixtures. No, no things that, you know, we discussed it last week that, you know, things weren't quite right with Pearson. I think in most clubs, they would have just seen out the rest of the season with that mm-hmm. manager regardless. They've taken a punt, you know, with the last two games to go. But the fact is that they should have, as kind of was just described there, you know, they're playing an Arsenal team that pretty, I mean, did, did they know at the time that they were going to be playing a, you know, a team that's going to be playing in the FA Cup, which also didn't have a, they didn't really I mean, have it must have been an expe- expectation that Arsenal were going to be the soft touch out of the two, right? You must have felt mm. that you'd well, have yeah, a chance again. Right yeah, absolutely. All focus, go- which is effectively what they played like against Man City, that they just sort of basically put their, all their eggs into the Arsenal game. Um, <laughs> it, it was just... <laughs> I've got an idea. <laughs> we'll fire our manager <laughs> and we'll beat Arsenal. <laughs> it, like... They didn't look prepared. I thought it was a soft penalty. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I when I saw it on match of the day, I was like, "Sorry, that that's been given. That was the penalty. I can't see it. I cannot that's see a, it." A pity fuck of penalties, if I've ever seen one. Right? Uh, people want to talk about Man United and their dodgy penalties. That's probably uh, the don't worst get me started. Seen. Right? If you play a fast attacking <laughs> way of football and you've got the ball coming in constantly, you have got lads running thunderbolts into the box. Guess what? They're going to get fouled. Don't hate the player. Hate the fucking game. <laughs> Go to hell, Lampard. Uh, <laughs> we have fun on more often. But I love. Um, I, I got to say though, the penalty was quite. Although it was a soft penalty, there's something about the way Deeney hits those penalties. It's just like a, a welly, is it? It's just a boom, and it just just waffles in. I love them. Yeah, Watford had the chances, man. 
They had the chances the too. True. Yeah, the XG was completely in Watford's favour. They, they just blew it. They, I mean, ultimately, their season was uh, terrible to start, uh, a winning run in the middle to get themselves out of trouble, and then proceeded to play themselves back in it. Like I remember when we came back after the after the, the lockdown, and we were talking about who's going, and Villa were like definitely gone. Oh, mate, dead certs. They were there. gone, and um, credit to Villa for, for dragging themselves out of there. And the fact that Jack Grealish scoring the goal to keep his boyhood club up, that you know ultimately has made him escaping said boyhood club almost impossible this summer. Because had Villa dropped, they could have to sell. They'd have to balance the book somehow. With, with them it would have been it. something poetic, though, about if that own goal, or I don't know, was it own goal in the end, the one that ricocheted off him? The massive uh, loop. Yeah, yeah, oh, somehow yeah. condemned Villa at the same time. I mean, the but mad thing, the mad thing is because obviously Everton um, gifted Bournemouth on the day because uh, Pickford is. Pickford. I, I don't, fucking hell, man! Well, we said didn't we last week? We all we all had Bournemouth to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which we, makes we, sense. There's a big, big, big job for Ancelotti this summer because he's got to address an awful lot of problems there, and I think a lot of it's mentality as much as anything. Um, I don't want to get too dug into to Everton because I'm sure we're going to have plenty of opportunities to talk about Everton over the <laughs> next couple of weeks as we, we close out. But uh, Bournemouth did what they had to. But kind of thinking about how Villa stayed up in the end, and it goes back to that first game back when Hawkeye didn't work. Because yeah. Sheffield United have people, that goal ruled out. And have you seen what Bournemouth have come out and done? Well, potentially well, you're going to do. And they're well within their right to, to be honest. Because they, you reckon, they, do you think... Yeah, oh, I, I, I really do. don't like this when football clubs mm. go. It always, I still think of Neil Warnock when he was Sheffield United <laughs> man. That's, that's a bit different because obviously <laughs> I'm going off the West Ham. I've forgiven you for Tevez. <laughs> that was a bit different because that that shouldn't have been allowed um, by the Premier League anyway. The third party ownership that was bullshit, and the fact that they had to pay such a huge fine in the end demonstrated that they were in the wrong. I, I think that they were well within their right to question it because ultimately that that moment. And now don't get me wrong because that moment affects also it's kind of like the butterfly effect isn't it right you can't just say well if that moment was different then we'd stay up because it's not that simple right and because, the thing is the waiting as well until the end of the season when they were relegated yeah sorry but, you're saying no i was gonna say that they just to wait there to wait until the end of the season before they've thought yeah we're gonna lodge a yeah you know, but i guess i can appreciate that they could they can probably sue the company for fucking it up um it will feel a bit bitter um and rightly so. I think it was ludicrous at the time, but ultimately Sheffield United should be pissed off because that derailed their season because they didn't get that result. They proceeded to have a run of poor games, uh, which ultimately saw them out of fighting for, for Champions League football, not just European football, but Champions League football. That that was how much that derailed their season. So, And then, that, like you say, it all kind of falls apart from there because how does it affect Leicester's season? How does it affect Chelsea's season, Manchester United's season? That one moment, although it does stand out, because it's simple to go, well, if that doesn't happen, we stay in the Premier League. It doesn't quite balance out that way. But of all the teams going down, I guess the question is, any of them coming back? That's a... Uh, see, I, I think about this... Well, I don't really know... That, obviously, I watch it just like everyone else does on Match Today. I'm not exactly a, a passionate fan of those specific clubs, but I, I look at the managers straight afterwards, and I remember the Eddie Howe interview, uh, which, by the way, there's nothing more cruel then the moment you get relegated, a Sky Sports <laughs> presenter is in your face with the muzzle Usually just going, Jeff tell us how you feel. Shreves, man. I remember Shreves, he did it with um, Ivanovic after the Camp Nou game <laughs> and it broke Ivanovic. And bearing in mind how steely Branner is. 
But very true, very true. But I mean, Eddie Howe looked, looked a broken such... man. Oh, mate, he, I wanted to cry for him, yeah. you know. Um, and he was actually thinking, I was linked with the Arsenal job a year ago. Yeah, I was going to be England manager. Well, I read some and now I'm going to the championship. <laughs> because Eddie Howe, you're right, was linked with the Arsenal job. He was linked with the Everton job. He's been linked with other jobs. And the thing is, is that because it's such an English thing to do, we'll go, yeah, but he got relegated and just write him off. Um, and mm. I read an interesting piece by, I think it was Oliver Kay on The Athletic, and it was about Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp, when he was at Mines, did a similar yep. job, uh, got them up, got relegated, ultimately stayed with them, uh, brought them back up. But his stock never dropped because there was an appreciation for what he was able to do with such a small club to promote them in the first place, mm. to be able to keep them We ain't there. doing that with Eddie, though, are we? No, absolutely, because it's not happening. I think the problem for Eddie Hall, I, and the thing is that you can't, uh, like, you can't forget uh, 15 million on Jordan Ibe, 20 million on Dom Solanke, right? You, you have to question those signings and the fact that he wasn't able uh, to, to put their worth into the team. Um, the question on who comes back up really depends on who loses the most amount of players because all three of them will mm. be capable of coming back up providing they keep their playing staff. Watford's a big question mark. Who the hell is going to be in charge there? Will Deeney be there? Will Delafoe stay? They've got a lot of... Um, Kind of new Can you put your mortgage on Welbeck getting you through the championship? Stay well, injury. Yeah, it's more it, isn't it, right? I mean, ultimately, Tammy Abraham bagged 26 goals in that league, so I think Welbeck would be fine, but it's, it's the Decores and all these players that are on high wages that probably want to force their way out, aren't they? There is one thing with Watford, though, and that's the fact that their ownership, they, they've got several clubs, haven't they, as yeah. well? So they've got the Udinese's, they've got a Spanish club. Pilot, push them so off online for a season. They'll just rotate between the clubs and then they'll bring in whoever players suitable at that level. I mean, there will be clubs mm. coming in for, for Saar and Decore, no doubt. Um, it would be interesting if they can hold on. Uh, Bournemouth, their wage bill, as everyone knows, is a fucking disgrace. They require completely on Premier League money, which is no longer there. They're in trouble. Um, the thing is for them, though, is that all of their key players, I mean, one of them's obviously gone with Fraser, and that certainly didn't help things, but... I don't think teams are going to be kind of hovering around looking at Wilson and King as they were maybe last season or the season before. So maybe they can hold mm-hmm. it together. Eddie Howe, I question. I don't know if he'll stay. Um, he, he does he, look he, that, very broken. He did. That yeah. job meant everything to him. By all accounts, he's been there basically his entire life. Uh, for then that short stint at Burnley, he, he came through there as a player uh, through the academy and ultimately came up to become manager eventually through one way or another. Um he either stays or he takes a year out. Mm. It just looked like that took that much out of him. With Norwich, it's the same thing. I think Norwich looked like the best set to come back, to be honest, because I think that should they hold on to their key pieces, the manager, I think, is a really good manager. He never wavered. I never want to be on the bad side of him. Every time I see an interview, he's always really (laughs) smiley and happy, but he looks like he could be a right psycho, you know? He always led the same message, right? Um, I think Norwich came up with the expectation we're going to go back down but it's okay because we're going to basically learn from this and we're going to improve because we'll have that Premier League money and we'll buy the players to come back up that the next time that we're up we'll be better prepared to stay up um, mm. and I think that Norwich will probably be off the free best set just on that basis I think that the whole unit because they didn't go wild with all of the money and everything they, they are set that they can hold on to players there's no doubt that Buendia Countwell are going to be uh, and Max Aaron's my Max Aaron's have been linked with Bayern this week really uh, the, yeah, uh, yeah but is, that, is that a show of Bayern's fall from grace or is this guy doing alright well talented boy uh, Tottenham certainly wanted to have a look at him um, it'll be interesting because I think that 
there's an element that in in at Norwich, maybe you can convince Cantwell and these players that let's give it one more year. Uh, if it works, great. Uh, we'll be back playing Premier League football next year. If it doesn't, um, then obviously we'll uh, have an agreement in place that you're allowed to move on to, to new pastures because there are young teams still, other than Pukki, um, who I think surprisingly quite agey because he's come come to like the, I guess the uh, uh, the armchair fan quite late. In, in terms of our recognition. I know Jackson's only started talking about him about a year ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, right, boys, if you put your mortgage on it, one of those teams is coming back. Where's your money going? You said Norwich, Norwich already. Lee, where are you going? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I'll just throw in my two pence worth as well. Um, just with Watford, I think we alluded to the fact like with Delefeu and Saar, they've all got... Um, uh, what you call it clauses in their contracts if there is to be relegated so I think you can pretty much say them players are going to be going Ooh. so it, it's a big ask you know you've got to replace those players oh, granted in the championship and just one thing with Norwich and why I think they will be good to come bounce back up is I don't think too many of their players will leave and they've also got an excellent academy so they've got uh, players that mm. they can plug through as well Bournemouth no no not for me <laughs> they're in a I real think- difficult spot Bournemouth because of that wage structure it's a mess and they've always been well, a small club. They only had two seasons in the Championship before they got into the Premier League as well. I think it's going to be one of those, either parachute payments will keep them going for the next year and Eddie Howe has the summer off, goes to Magaluf with the rest of them and gets his spirit back and, and tackles the, the Championship and, and does what he'd done before. Um, or it becomes a, a free fall. And uh, I think if you had to look at it, like you say, from a financial perspective and also... What are the ingredients there for progression? Um, like I say, it sounds like Norwich is the is the safe bet. I'll tell you what else was a safe bet in the end. Oh, fucking good segue. <laughs> Keeping that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer guy, it worked out well for United, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, he delivered. Um, no, 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 no. Bruno Fernandes delivered for him. He did. Oh, God. If there wasn't well, a Bruno, Bruno Fernandes, I'm not convinced Man United are finishing in that top four. No one remembers the generals. They remember the winners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an interesting one on Ollie because I still don't know, mate. I still don't know. Yeah, I know. It's what nearly is it? Eight? I don't know because of lockdown. Time's relative all of a sudden, and I feel like I've aged in dog <laughs> years. Came in in how long December, it in the job right? December twenty. 19? 18. 18. 18. 18. Jesus 18. Christ! Right, I, 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 Lampard's I, first season as well, wasn't it? It's, yeah, it's I, we, we, we've. I mean, ultimately. With that unit, as they got now, Champions League was the bare minimum, taking into account how bad the rest of the league has been. Uh, mm. Was it 66 points in the end? That would have got you Champions League football once in the last 10 years. Like The, the, yeah. the numbers are so through the floor. Um, so has it been an impressive season for Manchester United? Absolutely not. Um, you can't forget how poor they were um, pre-January oh, yeah, when they bought in Bruno. Yeah. Uh, now there are reasons for that. Um, Martial was injured. Um, Pogba was injured. Those are the two key key things. And I think there's a level of continuity still coming in with with the team. And, but ultimately, Lee's right. You don't have Bruno. You don't have Champions League football. Uh, Bruno comes oh, of in. Course. He's a dressing room changer as much as a on pitch changer. The, the the kind of the, the thing that surprised me most about him is, is yeah. his influence off the pitch as well. Absolutely. They beca- he's a winner, right? And he seemed to drag that team into to victories that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise got. There's no doubt the performances at the end of the season has been exceptional. There was a couple of uh, like wonky I'd results. Leggy. He was a bit leggy from time yeah. to time, but that's just because literally he uh, is carrying the be. weight of that club. Every club experience in there at some point being Absolutely. leggy. Absolutely. 
especially mm. United, because what Oli and it, it kind of shone United's biggest problems, which is depth. They don't have it. There's no depth in that squad. Their first eleven's as good as I don't want to say good as anything in the league because I still think City and, it's and Liverpool there. are ahead. But they're, 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 to me, they're the third best team in the country. I, I felt that really kind of looking at everything, they're the third best team, um, and they've ultimately finished there. So he, you know, he's delivered there. Yeah. But outside of that starting eleven, the drop off is pretty drastic, which is yeah. why he couldn't change. Like you kind of think that he he put his best eleven out in that second half against Tottenham, and he ran Spurs ragged. And at that moment, he realised he had gold, and he stuck with it. And it delivered, it delivered, it delivered, it delivered. And then ultimately, they started to fatigue a bit, and that's when the results started to drop off. They won't have to play. Well, I say they won't have to play as many games. Of course, they were got Champions League football again, which was the really important for Manchester United because it means that. Mm. The income comes in so they can go and grab a Jaden Sancho. They can go and grab another player who can help with the back line. Sancho's the key one here, right? Because um, although Greenwood's been excellent, although Rashford, who's been a bit patchy, but he's had a pretty good season, Martial as well, it's, it's a case that Sancho's good enough to dislodge any one of those, which instantly improves your depth. Yeah. And that's the kind of level of depth that Manchester United need to bring. It's not just they had him body to, to sit on the bench, they need quality bodies. Um, if they want to close. James coming in at the moment as a replacement for those guys or a Galo. Yeah. Daniel Absolutely. Gallo. There you go. The difference between Dan James and Jaden Sancho is what we're talking about here. You know, it's I massive. Mean, you're talking about a massive golf there. I mean, one of the things which I find fascinating is that if you look at the stats, just the stats, and I, I hate being one of those people that go, well, if you look at the stats, actually, they're quite a good team. But um, actually, Martial and Rashford's stats in particular this season have been brilliant. And you look at that and go, is, did I see that over the last 12 months and just missed it somehow? Because Martial I- started really well and got hurt. And then he yeah. took a moment to get going again. And then he's, he, he's just that kind of player that will not impress you. But then that one moment comes and he's so clinical. He is so I mean, clinical. Let's be fair as well. The, the calendar has been kind in lockdown. I mean, if you look at that lockdown table, because that's all Man United fans got left for, for hope and glory now, is looking at the lockdown <laughs> table. Yeah, right. yeah, we're like, yeah, we're like near top or at the top, right? Uh, but... To be fair, the fixtures have been very kind. And whenever there was the real challenges that came up, yes, you might argue that Tottenham is a challenge. I would argue that Jose Mourinho spending three months in lockdown with his best mates, telling everyone how he's going to conquer the world. And then all of a sudden pulling out those performances wasn't exactly a challenge. But it was the, that first big lockdown game. So you could kind of chalk that out as almost like the first game of the season sort of thing. But then also it was Chelsea. And yeah, then that started the whole David De Gea thing. And Oof. <laughs> I mean, I, I, Lee, what's your thoughts on this? As a man with a, key, a shaky man between the legs, I'll say that again, as a man with a shaky guy between the pegs, uh, what's, you know, what's your thoughts on the boy? On De Gea? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm in the camp where I think he's done. Or just, It's not so much I would say he was done, it's the fact that there, he's got a guy that could be knocking on his door uh creating pressure to, to become that, you know, Man United number one. And that's uh, obviously um, Henderson. Mm. Um, it's, st- it's still weird because we don't know what, what's going to happen with that. Cause he, cause he, Sheffield United love him and they want to keep him for another year. They've made that <laughs> no brainer, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're all for that. This is where Ollie's going to earn his crust because to be fair to Ollie, I give him his due. Like he, he's done it with Lukaku. He's done it with Sanchez. Maybe Sanchez is a little bit easier because his performances weren't there. Lukaku, but they were both, both big money signings on big wages. And as soon as he came into the club, he shut he shoved them out of the door pretty much straight away. Whereas he's got to now do this with De Gea this season or this summer. 
I think we've, we've discussed it before, haven't we? Like, it's where does it, where where do you palm up, where do you palm yeah. the hair off? That's the issue. Is De Gea going to want to become a number two or jostle for number one with Henderson? Uh, I'm I'm not convinced because he, you know, he, ultimately he, he's you know he's got he's got pride. You know, he's been one of the best keepers in the world for for a long time. Do we judge him on, on on the fact that he's been poor for the last 12 to 24 months? I think we've said before, haven't we? You know, since the World Cup, he hasn't really recovered from that mistake. Uh, it was against Portugal, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, right against Portugal. Um, so for, for me, but for me, for me personally, I, I think I think he moves on. I, th- I think, or you not say move on, but you bring Henderson in and you bring a, a an actual challenge to him because we all know that Romero is a, a number two, very good number two, but we Probably know he's the best number two in the world. <laughs> For, and that's the weird thing because he is one of the, probably the best number two, but you don't think he's ever going to be number one. Whereas if you bring someone in that's fresh, young, and actually has been playing very well in the Premier League consistently over the season, then it might actually buck his ideas up a little bit. So for, I, think, I think Henderson needs to come back to the club and I think Romero needs to go. That's fair. It's fair. Ooh. The thing with Romero, I think Mikey's mentioned that um, body's not capable of playing regular club level football. That's the reason why he's quite content playing on the bench but you're right um i wouldn't let him go no because ultimately he knows that he's definitely playing um the thing with you're absolutely right competition uh will determine what what's left of De Gea if he rises to it you end up with the best keeper in the league again right Mm. i mean he doesn't you end up with Dean Henderson He's had shaky periods, the boys. I remember when he first started at United and there was this whole thing of if you shoot from distance, you're going to score against David De Gea. And I remember Jamie Redknapp. Yeah, Jamie Redknapp. I'm calling you out, you piece of shit. He was literally there calling in this kid. He was 19 at the time. He, was going, he ain't good enough to wear the shirt. He ain't good enough. He ain't good enough. And then obviously David De Gea become really, really good. And I'm if he has that mental resilience at the age of 19 to overcome that stuff, then I'm sure he's got the chance to overcome this. Just keep Roy Keane out of the dressing room and you might have half a chance. Not the first Spanish goalkeeper that fell off a cliff, though, at this age. Uh, Ica went the same way, right? The thing with these these Spanish goalkeepers, Ica and, and uh, David De Gea are very similar in the sense that uh, not tall, right? Not tall. So they have to rely on their uh, athleticism to bail them out. So it, it tends to be their reflexes and uh, their explosiveness off the spot. That stuff will drop off. Ultimately, when a goalkeeper is six foot five, he's six foot five for the entirety of his mm. career. Like he's yeah. going to be able to and get himself out of issues. And these smaller goalkeepers, I think they do have a shorter shelf life that ultimately, when they can't reach the top corners anymore because their explosiveness has dropped off or their reflexes mm. are dropped off well, there the is a well, he's a very reflex keeper right like he's, he's very good with legs like he's he's one of these things he gimmick. can get down very fucking that quickly. was his gimmick the legs are his gimmick right he saves everything with his legs um it's i i'd get henderson in and i i would make it a genuine competition a genuine competition i wouldn't have none of this bullshit where i've already made my mind up i think you have to see what is left because david tahara is best is still the best goalkeeper in in the league if not the world right mm-hmm. um and if you can kind of like you say light a spark there it's a win um henderson can then stay behind him and learn from De Gea. it's only going to be a matter of time before henderson gets the job and if he doesn't and say De Gea continues to impress then you sell henderson I think the only other crucial thing is is Henderson going to be patient enough? He seems really keen to be number one now, pretty much, or at Man United. Summer is the European Championships. He has a legitimate shot at being England number one into that Championships if he's playing regularly in the Premier League, right? Because Pickford. He has to make the squad squad because Pickford shouldn't be. It's just between him and Pope. 
It's him and Pope, exactly. So Pope is going to be playing every week for, for Burnley, uh, unless Chelsea somehow get in there. And if, if I'll tell you what, if Chelsea go and sign him, Henderson ain't going to want to be sitting on the bench. Hmm. Right, because if, 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 if Nick Pope is playing in top-level European competitions with Chelsea, he's going to be there for, for all to see uh, and be able to put his name there to be on the on the plane as England number one. Um, that that will be very interesting to see how that goes. Because I, I know that Chelsea have been linked with Henderson. I don't see it. I do not see any situation that United sell him other than a player goes the other way, which is kind of what I was suggesting to you guys, is that um, N'Golo Kante feels like a square peg at times at Chelsea um, with these systems that we're playing. N'Golo Kante became a world champion with Paul Pogba for France because he allowed Paul Pogba to go be Paul Pogba. I might say they work well together. There's definitely an argument where both teams are improved by swapping Henderson for N'Golo Kante, as mental as that sounds, because obviously N'Golo Kante is already uh, spoken about as being one of the best midfielders in the world and Henderson uh, probably not seen that way. But you have to take the age and everything into account into this. To me... You're effectively swapping a fifty million pound goalkeeper for a fifty million pound centre midfielder. Both teams improve. It's just it's almost, almost too simplistic, though. It is no, it's absolutely too simplistic. Um, and both of them will feel like both of them will be worried about burning themselves, right? United will be worried because maybe uh, Kante's um, injuries haven't have been increasing over the last couple of years, and they're probably a bit like, well, last one you could really do is a guy that's only going to be able to play maybe. Uh, 60% of our games and Chelsea may be worried about having another £50 million plus goalkeeper that doesn't pan out uh, and that'll probably be it I just don't think two of them want to do business with each other while they are in direct competition I know players have traded be- before but they tended to be players that are kind of properly surplus Matic yeah. and matter, as opposed to being it players like a different, that- different world right now yeah. so let's let's talk about that so Ole Gunnar Solskjaer we don't know if he's going to stick or twist Lampard has clearly nailed the fucking colours to the mast Mr Kepper goodbye and another dodgy Spanish goalkeeper eh? yeah exactly <laughs> I mean and, and another undersized goalkeeper I, I as a Chelsea fan look I loved Carlo Guglicini when I was um, growing up <laughs> you know he was a top top level goalkeeper but it, well. Spanish goalkeepers are all small well he was obviously Italian Carlo Guglicini uh, what about your legend but undersized again Chelsea then went on to have Petr Cech and uh, Thibaut Courtois right Giant. Uh, and, and Hilario uh, <laughs> I mean, Hilario, and, Hilario and, is one of Robert Green, your new le- your legendary goal choice goalkeeper. <laughs> I remember Hilario playing in goal for us um, when when we had injuries. And the thing with Hilario was, I talk about Kep. Kep is six one, and he plays five nine. It was very similar with Hilario. Hilario would never reach. It was the weirdest thing that he got like dive and never reach for a ball. And I'm leaning away from the microphone, um, but it's kind of similar. Kepa Kepa doesn't get close to stuff, mate. Which is why Frank's like, there's so many times that I've watched Chelsea uh, this season and a team scored a goal and Kepa's not moved. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? How does a goalkeeper not even move? And that's, you know, you can kind of go, oh, he's never getting there. And you can kind of make those excuses as a good finish. But a lot of the time it's just, he ain't reading the play. He hasn't got, Alisson is the best keeper in the league right now because he's positioning. He just reads everything that's going on in front of him. And thus, everything seems to hit him in the chest because his position is so strong. Kepa's the complete opposite. Really good defenders in front of him. I'm not saying that Chelsea and United don't have good defenders in front of him, but 
it's very I'd like to judge Alison when things are going tits up and rather than when it's all going well. He had a sticky moment when he first came in, didn't he? And he's kind of he, he pulled through that. You know, yeah. he had that moment against Leicester, didn't he, when he tried to do a little Cruyff turn. That was the famous out. Pickford trick. I wouldn't make said error. <laughs> and then since then, like Jordan Pickford's been a car wreck. Like literally yeah. no, he's got a bunch of other errors he'd rather make instead. He's made uh, this long list. I imagine when, when when the management team came in and, and they kind of sat down and someone went, Have you seen uh, Pickford's quote? And it's like Pickford's quote? And then they show him like, Oh for fuck's sake. Why the fuck has he said this? Because <laughs> nothing good comes from it, right? Nothing good can ever come yeah, from a quote yeah, yeah, like that. Exactly, exactly. So why why kick up when they're down, especially when you're there's plenty of options for you to be kicked later down the line, right? Absolutely. I mean, the thing with Kepler, look, going back to it, he's finished. It was the mm. biggest game of our season, and he went with Caballero. Um, he'll go with Caballero in the cup final as well, and there's a reason for it because when you play against teams with Kepper in goal, they genuinely, I because we've all been in the dressing room, right? Uh, and you've kind of had those discussions, maybe pre-game or even at halftime, where a manager will go, "Look, their keeper don't fancy it. Uh, have a have a dig, right? Have a dig." Pre-game, yeah. Like the no, I remember like, one particular time, I said, "Oh, the keeper's really dodgy. He keeps throwing it into his own net." Jamie, <laughs> you dropped. Uh, oh shit, I was our keeper. Uh, <laughs> but it's kind of the case, like it's a genuine tactic against Chelsea that if you get within so- shooting sight. Have a crack because their keeper don't fancy it, um, mm. and it has been a massive hindrance. I, 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 we spoke about the stats, I think, a couple of weeks ago about Chelsea. Their 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 goals conceded is a disaster this season. It's a fucking disaster. But ultimately, the xG is it's not great, but it's certainly nowhere near as bad as what the goals conceded. And a lot of that shines a light on how poor, poor a goalkeeper's been. So they need to address it. I, I've seen links with Oblak. Um, I can't That's see it. That's going to be a lot of money. Um, and then you have to somehow work what you're going to do with Kepper at that point as well. Look, if we got, if we got Jan Oblak, I, I, I genuinely just lose it, mate. Just lose it. But in, transfer, like, you know, like a, maybe a swap, link. maybe swap. I mean, swap could, could you, could you convince Atleti? I mean, we've done well at Atleti. Like we bought players from them. We sent them uh, back. Morata, <laughs> Diego Costa. If you do, how big a hit? Uh, to be honest, I, I read today that Marina wants fifty million. Um, now Marina's very good at selling players. If she gets fifty million for Kepa Arifa Balaga, then she's getting a statue. Just straight up, <laughs> she's getting a statue because like, there's no way that t- my, my, the best case. Hey, I just, minute, didn't she spend like you know plus thirty million on top of that or whatever it was twenty? She million. spent seventy two million. It was a really bad idea. Um, I think we've touched on this several weeks that Chelsea bungled Alisson. They tried to get All Black. All Black said no. They then panicked and had to go buy a goalkeeper that could play football. They went and signed Kepper. They had to pay the buyout. It was all a fucking disaster. Even more so when you, I believe I'm right in this, I believe that had they addressed him in January to try to sign him in January, the buyout clause or something was significantly lower, like drastically so. Uh, but that's all in the past. It's a mess. Look, Chelsea have done a lot of good business with Marina. Uh, that just stands out as a fucking disaster one. Um they need to get a goalkeeper. If it's not all black, I've seen Onana, uh, the links. I'm never convinced by him. Um, Who, sorry, I don't know. Onana from uh, Ajax. All oh, right, okay, yeah, 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 I know the guy, yeah. So obviously he's got that um, top-level football experience playing in the Champions League. Um, I'm I'm on the Nick Pope train, mate. If it, if we can't get Dean Henderson, do like that guy. Go get me a massive goalkeeper. Mm. Just get me a giant in goal, right? That's all I care about. Someone that will come and actually catch crosses. Because that, that was the death knell, by the way. 
in that Liverpool Chelsea game was <laughs> that the cross came in and he just stood there and just he didn't move his feet at all. The ball went all the way to the back post and Fortune was defended just about for a corner. And it's just the screaming of his teammates, the screaming at him to come do something. And that at that point, it was done. There's no way you could go into the next game with him in goal. There's just no way. And I, I feel for him a bit well, because his confidence was- must be in the toilet, right? It must be gone. And we speak about your defence as well. Surely, you know, your defence automatically gets better if they know they've got a decent guy behind them. Or Absolutely. Someone that can command. You know, Absolutely. Chelsea's defence is not the greatest. So it's not start great. off with the goalkeeper and you prove but that and then you might actually improve the defence in front of you a little bit. I've better. heard people try to argue the other way that, oh, if you go get some good defenders to put in front of Kepi, you become better. I don't believe no. that. I believe you get a better goalkeeper think, behind Kurt yeah. Zuma. Immediately you've got to play. Kurt Zuma, for what it's worth, I just do want to say a couple of things. Kurt Zuma, I think, has been excellent since lockdown and coming back into the team. He's been our best and a half by a distance. Um, player of the season for Chelsea. a lot, though, doesn't it? You know, it does, I mean, it does I, you know how I feel about Zuma because I had him at uh, Everton. Yeah. Obviously, I watched him quite a bit. He, he's he's good, but he he scares me. That's that's the only issue. I don't always feel feels a bit reactionary at times. That's the problem, right? Perfect I don't number like two, the number one next yeah. to him. Um, Mason Mount, Chelsea's player of the season. We'll probably get into that in the next pod, but definitely our player of the season. I know a lot of people say about Kovacic or Ari, um, as sorry for blogger, as for the Equator. Those two are. I, I deserve it. Yeah, Chelsea fans. As for the Equator. Yeah, and by I mean the numbers have been really good. Uh, he's you, one, you've uh, been against him all season. I have, I have, and t- to be honest, I've been probably hypercritical. But the problem with with uh, Cesar Espelicueta will always be that he is, uh, as a modern fullback, not really. capable. Right, excellent defender mm. uh, in a back three. There's no one better. He was exceptional for Conte, and he's been exceptional since Frank's shifted to that, that formation out of necessity. Uh, I, I think he must Push be 30 it. now. Um, he's, he's surprisingly I mean, he's not as old as you point. think, right? That, and he's certainly one of Chelsea's best ever signings in terms of the, the money because he was, um, was he £10 million when you kind of think mm-hmm. about the, the sure. money they spent on other players? But Mason Mount's been um, 51 games this season. His output, not just in terms of uh, goals and assists, but his output in terms of the dirty work for that team has allowed players to thrive. And I think he'll be a key element to that team next season with the uh, the Zayacs and the Verners and the Havertz coming into the team because he's going to have to do a lot of the dog's work for those to allow them players to thrive. Um, He's still playing when those guys come in. absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Doesn't he play in that attacking midfield role? Um, Let's see how Frank lines up. I think... Do you think think Kepa's even going to make the bench though? No, he won't be at Chelsea next season. Oh, for the cup final? Yeah, yeah, he'll be on the bench for the cup final. I, I think Kepa, for what it's worth, I, th- I don't think he's been a bit... He, he could basically have thrown his toys out of the pram on, on Sunday, right? Well, we've seen him throw his toys out we of have, the pram. We have, we have. Uh, and that's when I lost it. That's when he lost, I was like, yeah. nah, I'm done with this guy. I don't like him. You know, I, this is when I was pro sorry, and I, I felt so sorry for the geezer as well. And when yeah, he did throw so much point. disrespect on show there, wasn't mm. there? I mean, they kept trying to make they, the whole PR things. Oh, it's a language barrier and all that thing. You've been playing football all your fucking life, mate. When at your that numbers point, up, your numbers up. <laughs> that, at that point, for both of them, the writing was on the yeah. wall, right? Manager and, and well, goalkeeper. But but in Lampard, terms of what happens with Kepa, sorry, I was going to say this is why I got a bit of respect for Lampard in this in, in this regard is because he does seem to like. I'm, I'm going with it. I'm going. I, you know, Caballero is not a great Caballero, goalkeeper. Mate. We're not talking he, he, about like we're playing some journeyman top level goalkeeper. Yeah, journeyman. Exactly, a 38 year old journeyman is. We're like, yeah, go with him for the most important game of the season. 
And it's, it's, he's, got, he's got some balls. He's got the cojones to do it. And I like it because the fact is, you know, we said he, what, £72 million pound for him. He's like, no, fuck it. I don't want him. He's exactly. not good enough. Let's face it. The board would be like, hang on a minute. Where's the £72 million pound goalkeeper? Why is he not in goal? And clearly they support Frank in that. With what happens to Kepa, I think he goes on loan. I think uh, you send him on loan to Spain for a year or two. You hope that he basically refines himself and well, someone will then pay. Might be on something there because I think, let's face it, right now with a COVID world, a lot of clubs are not going to splash the sort of money that was available before because you know different revenue streams have dried up. Whereas if you give it a year and you loan him out somewhere, maybe things recover a bit more. Maybe revenue starts coming in with tickets and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden the following season, clubs have got a bit more money to burn. And if Kepa goes somewhere and has a fucking blinder and becomes the, becomes the Henderson of a club that's going to be wanting to be nailing down the door to, to sign him you might be into some money there maybe I mean ultimately the ideal situation is we get our black and we send him to Atleti in return by all accounts Atleti needs some money they've got a big fat new stadium that they're trying to pay off and um, like you say no fans coming into that stadium right no, now so, exactly this so is maybe one thing, by the way as well if there's a new stadium involved <laughs> <he's> <laughs> See, it's the Arsenal. See, see Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> well, I'm right. Like Tottenham had to take out a brand new. Like, I think they've had to do the loan again. I, I, my understanding is that Cronkey has done something with the Arsenal stadium loan, which apparently was a fucking disaster. How much, and in terms of interest, they've been paying on that. Bearing in mind how long ago they built that stadium, Cronkey's apparently financed it. And he's taken the money out of the club to pay for it on a much lower rate, so it's freeing up a bit more capital for Arsenal to be able to go do something, such as offering twenty-five million pounds for a player that has a fifty million pound buyout. Well, I can't wait to hear AFC talk about that one. They did. They did try throwing Gendouzi in. Oh, um, I know we need right. to move on. We do need to move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's move on, chaps. I was trying to find a nice segue in. But uh, anyway, from one farewell with Kepa, maybe to a Ooh. farewell, a lot more people will be celebrating. Is that David Silva has hung up his boots at Matt? Has he retired or is he just leaving? No, I don't know he's, got, he's moving on. He's got offers on the table, I think. Um, someone said he might go back to his hometown club, which would be quite nice. I, I, that seems like a very David Silva thing to do, right? Less Palmerston or something like that, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, no, so a smaller club. He's got something left in him still, though, right? I mean, I, oh, yeah. for what it's worth, he is one of the most underrated. I think it's it's really weird because he's been underrated for such a long time that now everyone's acknowledging it. It feels like in the last week, all of a sudden, everyone's highlighting how great this guy is. But if you think back to that school of... I always think back to that um, Valencia team where you had Wacking, you had oh. Silva, you had David Villa, you had David Albera, you had, uh, who else, Vigente, uh, Morientes, like it, the list goes on and on and on. He it's was surrounded team. by, at the time, fucking royalty and you didn't even realise it because all these players went on, yes, it was a great team, but they all went on to do even better things, uh, other stuff. And he's kind of like the last of those guys that are still knocking around. I, I've got you a think it's a little, little dynamo guy, right? I've got a horrible feeling Woods has put this on on purpose because he's going to go the opposite. You're not going to appreciate him. Uh, yeah. I, I think Abbas Steele was a good player that's been surrounded by exceptional talent for his entire tenure at, at, at City. <laughs> I can read him like a book, Flint. I can read him like a book. Like, the reason why he's putting this and where does he rank for a reason because he doesn't gonna, rank no, it. What it was, oh, it's, I, it's, I it's had in your people. Pocket. Are you just pleased to see me? <laughs> 
I had I had to put up with Sky going, oh, he's in the top three midfielders in the Premier League era. And I'm like, hold the fuck up. He's probably not even in the top three at Man City, let alone the Premier League era. Absolute <laughs> fucking nonsense, mate. Nonsense. Good player. He, a facilitator of the top level, but um, he, he's been able to play with Sergio Aguero his, his whole time that he's been there. He's, it, at no point have I seen him do what, you know, drag a team like Yaya Torre even did for them. Um, I, think, I, I'd like, I like David Silver a lot. I just want to put it out there. I, I'd, I'd love a player uh, like I think him at he's, Chelsea. I think it helps him that he's a good guy. Do you know what oh, I mean? Like, you yeah. know, you, you hear, he's a good guy. He had all that problem with his son and all that sort of stuff. And football put, you know, as football does, it put their arms around him and said, you know, we're here for you, mate. And uh, he just seems, and we like to see good guys get their rewards. If David Silver kicked off because he didn't get a birthday cake, we wouldn't be having this farewell. Imagine. Maybe he did. That's why he shaved his head. It was like a process. <laughs> yeah, like he was in the mirror crying. I didn't get my birthday. <laughs> Yaya Torre, for what it's worth, is probably the most underappreciated player in, in Premier League history. For what it's worth, as well, I, 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 he never gets into those discussions. But like, just put it simply, Yaya Torre and Kevin De Bruyne are both more important players to Man City than David Silva ever was. But that's nothing to taken away. I mean, those two players are exceptional footballers. Like you're talking about the creme de la creme. David Silva was just a tier below that. And there's no harm in that because I think Cesc Fabregas was also think, kind of that tier like below. Second fiddle to Mata at Valencia for a long time as well. Like he was basically like the understudy to Mata. Not too sure. I, did, I, I don't know. Um, really can't remember that. But you're right. I need, to, I need to consult my football manager. 2006. <laughs> <laughs> David Silva, though, is that kind of player which you'd love to have in your team? Like say, excellent professional. He's mm-hmm. able to. He's a very intricate footballer. He's a very smart footballer, and he can make players around him uh, better by that that intelligence Barcelona should really be all over that player for what it's worth because he's he's Barcelona through and through in terms of the way he plays he'd fit into that and he'd be able to play with with Leo and the boys there quite quite comfortably free transfer that probably won't happen because Barcelona's board are just run by clowns Um, but yeah it what got to me a bit was this idea, and I, I'd, I'd never like it when it goes unchallenged, where you go, oh, yeah, for me, he's, he's, he's definitely top five midfielders in the Premier League ever. And I'm like, okay, name the players who are making that list then, because you're definitely missing out elite-level footballers, right? Because mm. Lampard, Gerrard are definitely two above him. People are always going to say Keane and Skulls. Patrick Vieira, for me, uh, fits in that top level. And like I said, De Bruyne, Yaya... Uh, Darren always- Fletcher. <laughs> Fletcher. You do, you do realise though at City that they actually hire him in, in higher regard than Yara Torre and, and Aguero. I, he's, he's basically yeah, that's what a, a nice guy. Right. You. Yeah, because the thing is with, with Yaya Torre at Man City is we know that it didn't end particularly well. He's, again, he goes to underappreciate. He, Yaya, I don't want to get this to turn into the Yaya discussion, but it's going that way. Yaya Torre was right, by the way, when he, he challenged the fact that... Um, well, he didn't get birthday cake. He was right in that. He was also right in the fact that um, when it comes to the Ballon d'Or voting, there's a whole load of horse shit when it comes to African players. The fact there's only been one, right? You know, that's a load of bullshit right there. Um, I think that he suffered um, similar in a way to what black players still suffer with, which is the stigma of, oh, athletic, strong, you know, powerful, those those the mm. things that people looked at first with Torre and they don't look at the exceptional footballer that he was in terms of his his technique and talent and I think that he was a player that really suffered with 
that stigma attached to him. And again, I don't want this to turn into the Yaya Torre discussion, which is seemingly going that way. Because he's going to pay for a plane banner to fly over Silver's <laughs> testimonial to go think about Yaya <laughs> <laughs> justice for Yaya. Uh, but like to me. He's going to be dressed Silver. up like Batman on top of the stadium with a big poster at Justice for <laughs> <laughs> To me, like, I'd love a David Silver in my team. But if I said to David Silver, I'm like, David Silver, go and win me today. He'd look around and go, right, uh, I'll get the ball to Aguero. I'll get the ball to Torre. You know, it's, it's, it's just to be he that moments n- of, of magicianness, but I can't oh, think of any. <laughs> you know, he's one of those sort of guys. This is, you've just summarised it perfectly there, Flint. It's because uh, I think the Football uh, 365, they did an article on this and they they put it, they titled it perfectly and that was that he was the anti-YouTuber as in he doesn't have highlight reels to, to go back on. He doesn't have significant, like, you know, outstanding goals or individual goals or he doesn't have the stats even to back him up. But I, I am kind of, I'm not going to say he's like, you know, top five Premier League all, of all time, but I do think in, out of the players you mentioned, you know, I, I think for me, I have him above Yaya Torre. I, I really do. Just because, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm taken into the fact that way that Yaya acted. He's on the panel for the Ballon d'Or, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I just really like David Silva. I think the way he, I, I think you underappreciate him in terms of the way he can control the game. Yeah, of course he has the better players around him to kind of finish it off, or you know, to to score the goals, and you know, he doesn't get the uh, the accolades and the highlight reels that maybe those players that we've mentioned have. But for me, I just, I just know, I just think he is a, a joy to watch the way he controls games. You don't have a, a highlight reel of someone dropping into space uh, and making the team around you work better and basically making them better players than you know than what they are. No, and, 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 and Lee, and look, I'm on board with needing those players. They're important players, right? Cesc Fabregas was important to what Chelsea did when he was there. Uh, for me, they're very similar players. I think Fabregas has probably had an all-round game that was better than David Silva's. Um, He's an exceptional player. I just kind of feel like when people kind of talk about him in that ilk of being greatest Premier League players ever, I think Flint's right. He's a really good guy, right? Really good guy, a top-level professional. He never complains. You know, you never got the idea that kind of he was a, a problem to have in that team. And he'll be a big miss like Company was as well, just in them being there. Like they lost Company, they lost the leadership. It's that kind of old guard of we came in as the team became what it was and that means in times of crisis like you look at man united now they look around the dressing room and go who has been here before to give us that guidance unfortunately it's david de Gea or someone like that or chris smalling we're at the city dressing room they turn around and go well we've got aguero who literally propelled us into this stratosphere of where we're in now we've had torre hanging around wanting his birthday cake still we've got <laughs> silver you know our mate dave Oh, Dave, he's, you know, he's, he's such a nice guy. And that sort of thing, that influence in a dressing room, is. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being... If he isn't... I think he's he's. I think he's far too young to like, actually hang up his boots properly. If he does and when he does, I think he'll probably come back as an ambassador of the club. I think City are really good at retaining ambassadors and stuff like that. Yeah. With that being said, do you think they're going to miss him, as in on the pitch? And if they if they do have a ready-made replacement, who is it? Uh, no, because uh, Phil Foden's going to take up the mantle, and he's been excellent since uh, kind of coming back from lockdown. 
you know, more, minute, more minutes as well. You know, you, you yeah. can see that Pep's starting to bleed them into the squad a little yeah. bit more. Pep's been playing the long game and he's going to make us all look fucking stupid because we've all been moaning, oh, he's not been playing Foden, he's not been playing Foden. But in the background, he's been moulding Foden into the player that's next year. So everyone's obviously um, high on the, the Greenwood train. And absolutely right, by the way, because that kid is unbelievable. But there's every chance that Foden's about to go derail that next year. Uh, he, he's got the ability to be the best of the bunch. Um, and I think that... That's the dream was to make someone like him more hungry, right? Of like, fuck, these other guys around me at this sort of level, at this sort of age, obviously peers in the England set up to an extent as well in terms of being around the, the other um, divisions of the, the senior team. Of, go back right, to it. Doing it. This is my stuff. You go back to it. Like, as you said, with um, the goalkeeper situation with Henderson... Because the tournament moved to next summer, Phil Foden is back looking at a place in the starting lineup for England next summer. Greenwood as well, for what it's worth. Like Those boys next year are, are probably getting an opportunity to have a crack at the Euros that they didn't expect to have leading into the World Cup afterwards. My only fear with Greenwood is that he's going to get burnt out because I can see Man United overusing him, especially if they don't get Sancho in. Yeah, <laughs> There's a worry because like, Ollie's going to be like, send him out, send yeah, him out, exactly, send him yeah. out. Yeah. Whereas Pep's, Pep's done it right with with uh, with Foden because yes. you know he's led him into the team slowly but surely, more and more minutes here and there every season as we've gone on. And it, you know since lockdown, you know he's played, a, he started a fair amount of games, and obviously we know that's because you know David Silva's on his way out. Whereas yeah. I don't see that with Greenwood. So my fear is unless Sancho does come in, we're going to be seeing a lot of Greenwood, and then there's the potential that he's going to get burnt out. By, especially with the you know the compactness of next season as well. Yeah, mm. I, I think Sancho gets done for what it's worth. It's just um, posturing, right? Mm-hmm. Dortmund have an asset which they know they can, they're going to cash in big and United feel that they're in a position because of COVID that they can haggle. They'll find a, a happy ground because I think Sancho's desperate to get to United. Well, we talked a bit about Man United's good day. Let's talk about Leicester's bad day and how that impacted the rest of their season. Um, now, Lee, I'm going to call you out from last week, buddy. Yeah, please do, mate. Please right? do. Please right? do. So, I'm uh, calling myself out, asking, mate. I'm calling myself out. I'm going to ask you just a question. Leicester, have they had a good season after uh, <laughs> after that final day? Kind of my gut instinct last last week was, and I kind of went with a simplistic view of, you know, if you gave it to them at the beginning of the season, they would have probably snapped your hand off at fifth place. But, you know, as we've described it last week, the fact that, you know, they were 14 points clear um, and it was eroded away, uh, especially after lockdown or even probably after the new year, um, it, it, it doesn't bode well, especially when it's in the grasp of the hands. Basically, they're, they're in fourth place from, I think it's the 24th of August to the 22nd oh, of July. Security you know, they had. That, that, you know, and when you put it like that, and also when you looked at the players as well on that final game against Man United, they were gutted. And it kind of did dawn on me. It's like, yeah, they probably really should have had that fourth place and they've, they've actually ballsed it up. And you've got players like uh, Madison who are, you know, who weren't even on the pitch. You could tell he was like, you know, busy. Oh my God. See, this off. is why I'm not a producer at Sky because when it's showing Madison just sitting there, I would have played out the Garfunkel "Hello Darkness." No. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just staring out of what could have been because a year ago that boy was hot property. He was literally Ooh. the next big thing that everyone wanted, right? And now he can't even uh, he, he can't even 
all these dreams about all these things that was going to happen. I'm not saying that he's he's not going to move on to bigger or better things, but it feels like a big bump in the road. And, Again, uh, you know, I would point to uh, to that Bruno Fernandez, mate. If 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 he doesn't come in for United, I think like it's a lot closer. Um, oh you know, yeah. Ultimately, Leicester did balls out of themselves. So you know they 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 had a, a shit time after lockdown. You know, once we came back, uh, you know, that are they, you saying they, that Rogers slipped? He's <laughs> um, saying that he had a big opportunity to do something to for his team and prove his worth, and he <laughs> slipped at the final hurdle. Are you saying that? Yeah, 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 I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, no amount of chapstick is going to save that man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is with this? I, I haven't noticed it, and then it got put. Uh, uh, was it put in, in the group? About his, was it you that brought up Flint about his I, lips? I, look, I don't. I don't like Brandon Rogers. All right, not because of the Liverpool connection. Okay, <laughs> it's just because the man has. He's always. He looks like he's just sucked on a lemon the entire time. He's always standing there by the sidelines. He's going. Hmm. 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 <laughs> <And> it, <laughs> it just amazes me. Also, the fact that he like, he once said in an interview, he reflect like if when he needs advice and needs to reflect back, does he think about some of the great managers he's had as mentors? No. Does he think about uh, all of the great histories figures you could look back on and go, ah, oh, they're human at one point? No. He literally said in an interview, I just think back to what I done in previous jobs and and re- reflect back on myself. So he's basically saying, I ask myself for advice. Well, that's that, but what's that got you? He is, he is Brenton Rogers. Yeah, he, he's got the Brentonism about him, hasn't he? Yeah, like he is the most David Brent manager in the league. Look, it's a massive disappointment. Um, Rogers can try and dress up all he wants that fifth as a success. Um, no, and it would have been had it not been 66 points to get top four, right? There will never be another better opportunity than this because United and Chelsea just can't be as bad as they were last year. Otherwise, the managers will be gone. Uh, they, I, might, won't be I might have been shooting myself in the foot for saying this, but Jamie Vardy is not going to get you the golden boot every year. Yeah. Right? Like, like there's a certain point where those legs, which seemed powered by the unknown, are going to slow down on the boy. I mean, he's, what, 30? How old is he now? 33, like 33, right? 33, yeah. right? So, and as a... 34 year old i can tell you for sure your knees fuck up way before that so i have no idea how long he's got left in him i don't know either uh him coming late to the game probably helps him a bit in that sense but um, the degrade of the of the the vodka just yeah just yeah uh the the power of vodka red bull whatever um but the the other thing is well it's not the top two are gone right we know that uh we feel pretty confident that manchester united and chelsea are going to be good next year don't write Tottenham off, right? Because Mourinho's starting to get a tune. He's he's got uh, the Mourinho. He goes on the Mourinho ball now. <laughs> they, they won't. They won't be. <laughs> the brand of football we're playing, but it's effective, isn't it? Um, so they're then, they're gonna they're gonna be yeah. But Jose's a diminishing return, right? Like I I think at some point like that, if you had this scale of the the Jose way and winning trophies. We're starting to get to this point now. Where is that? Yeah, right, Jose. It's, it's modernisation of football. Like teams that play pragmatic football no longer win league titles. Right, that's what's yeah. happened. Uh, which is the limiting factor. Could could he win a cup competition playing that? Arsenal are certainly trying that. Just watch it on Saturday because the, the way they got to Wembley against Man City was pragmatic football. I wouldn't be surprised to see Arteta play a similar style to let Chelsea shoot themselves in the foot by um, having possession and then just spanking on the counter-attack. And they're another team 
Arsenal. Arsenal have had a fucking disastrous league uh, season, really. Um, they, they they're, 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 not, they're not even Europa League contenders, I don't think. Moving on. A lot depends team. on what happens this summer, right? I don't know. I don't want to write them off because um, they've still got some elite level footballers um, in the front end, right? I, I don't want to hear the Pepe, Pepe's a fraud and a failure and a flop and all this because I don't generally believe that's the case. No, they could be a sleeping giant. I, I just think that if they get the right bodies in, and it's a big if with Arsenal because if, yeah. because the, the, the owner doesn't seem Manager interested structure doesn't in allow paying, it, yeah. they, they could turn around. I'm not saying they're pushing top four. I'm just saying they're pressing Leicester. And then Wolves, because Wolves are going to go win the Europa League and they're going to be playing Champions League football next year, which means they're going to be able to go buy some better Portuguese players. And, oh, and no, they're going to be able to have McCarthy on the telly, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> like, Wolves, Wolves will be... Disappointed as anyone. I remember a few weeks back, Lee, when you said to me um, about Wolves finishing top four, and I remember looking at the games <laughs> afterwards, and I have been fucking stressed because of that. I remember looking at it going, they genuinely, if they Wait, win their last three games, they got that 97th minute penalty against penalty. Burnley. That penalty was it, penalty, which is why. It's why I celebrated that like a Chelsea goal, mate, because it was <laughs> massive. Because if that didn't happen, it, you know, like. Sunday was easy for Chelsea in the end. It really was, um, especially because we got a couple of goals on half time. It was very comfortable, but I don't believe that would be the case had Wolves had Champions League football uh, mm-hmm. that carrot dangling in front of them. Um, they're going to be there thereabouts because they've got proper rich owners. In fact, all of these teams have proper rich owners. People talk about uh, plucky little Leicester. Their owner is worth like three billion pounds, right? Yeah, it's he, not kidding. He is Mr. Thailand, isn't he? I mean, yeah. come on, like you say, they're not. We're not talking about someone who put a team together on the back of a fag packet here. This is this is some real money. It's that expensively is expensively assembled football team at this point. And the key thing for Leicester is. We talk, about Madison, we talk about Madison. We talk about Madison, and we talk about Tillman, and we talk about Chilwell. Right? These three players have been had a disappointing end to the season. What it has secured is that those players probably don't move now, which is important because mm. then continuity stays and they go again. They do need to find the answer uh, to, to Vardy. They need to go find someone that can step in there. I'm still not convinced Ian Acho is the right guy. I'm still not God. convinced there. No. And uh, the fact that they missed out on Champions League cost them like 40 plus million because Europa oh. League's like seven, 7 million or something. And yeah. I, I believe, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big difference in money there. Um, there's a whole list of reasons why they failed. Losing uh, Pereira at right back, that hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. Chilwell's drop in form, that hurt. Do you think Maguire hurt him? Ultimately? It, it, it did ultimately, yes. Because Soyuncu's form did dip and then ultimately they missed him out to play Wes Morgan to finish the season. Just mentioning Soyuncu as well, probably that game against Bournemouth where he got sent off and they ended up losing, was it 4-1, was it? They they got they got thumped basically got by a team in the end. Yeah, mm. that that's mad to think that they had that game and they had that game comfortable, really, because mm-hmm. Bournemouth weren't in it. They win that game. You can see what happens, right? They're playing Champions League football, so that was the killer game. Um, oh, that ha- and that does fall onto back. the manager a bit because the manager just couldn't stop the wave. Well, well there we go. The, the man couldn't go full pickle in the end. He just teased the fans right until the last second. Um, but there are other seconds still left to be played. You were talking about that elusive final that is happening next weekend. Let's have a couple of minutes about this, boys. Where are we feeling? How are we feeling about this? Nervous, mate. Um, I remember when we last played him in the cup final, we were going for a double. And 
the day before the final was my sister's wedding and she married a gooner not a massive ardent kind of arsenal fan but an arsenal fan nonetheless and i remember <laughs> and i remember being particularly confident when i left the the, the next morning um to have a five pound bet that chelsea were going to win it and then it just didn't happen. It unraveled that day. Arsenal gutted it out and they won the final. Um, it took me back to feeling a little bit about my childhood because I remember it's only Ray Parler. Um, <laughs> those are the two cup finals that we've lost to them. But obviously last year, crucially, uh, in a cup final, which mattered much more to Arsenal than it did to Chelsea because of European football being on the line, Chelsea went in there and wrecked shop. Similar sort of situation this uh, year in the cup final as well is that uh, Arsenal are playing for European football, Chelsea are playing for a trophy. Uh, so there's more on the line for Arsenal. This is a bit of a different Arsenal, though, than Emre's Arsenal. And I touched on it that they are playing a brand of football which uh, Jose Mourinho will be proud of. I think they're going to sit deep and I think they're going to try and catch Chelsea on the counter-attack, which is a big weakness for that team. A lot depends on if Kante's fit or not. If Kante plays, I think we win. If Kante doesn't, I think we lose. Well, that's a, a bold, bold statement, but but one that I'd like to hear Mr. Collard's view of. Um, I, I want to be like I don't know. I really want to go like you know, say Arsenal are going to win. Um, I can't. I can't. I think Chelsea. I think mm. with the form that Chelsea, uh, you know, they've they've showed when, that when they're on it, they are a very good team. Um, and I think Lampard. He's going to have him fired up to. He, I reckon he wants that trophy as, oh, as more, more, more than more than anything. Um, well, nothing look, motivates more than the first time, and the same can be said for Arteta. But I think yeah. Arteta looks like every time you see an interview of him post lockdown, because all of a sudden they hit this great purple patch where they started winning great games and starting to look good again. And he generally his face literally is like he's biting his cheeks, and if you could read body expressions he's basically saying i oh, know i'm surprised too like he's like, <laughs> this is like a free spin guys almost working miracles with that team that he's got obviously granted the, you've got the, the front line fair enough they are they are some very good players there you know Bamiyang and lacazette mm. um but it's, it's just that defense you know i've harped on about it all season you know i can't believe they gave david louise a new contract um and the <laughs> is that you know if, if you're going against a team that's got david louise playing then then There's a couple of key elements in this game, right? Well, in with a chance of winning, they don't have Aaron Ramsey anymore. That's a big bonus for Chelsea, right? Because well, Ramsey loved the cup final. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Cup final uh, player. He'd, he'd score winners in that. Uh, we've got Olivier Giroud, who mm. loves a cup final. Old but they have got David Luiz, and that goes one of two ways, right? You either get David Luiz, who basically puts in an, an, an incredible performance and shuts Chelsea out, or you get David Luiz that's too emotionally invested into the game that he just mm. falls to pieces. Uh, it's the the thing is that those two are going to be playing against each other. And, the and Giroud's really smart. Like, he's a really I smart think you can look past yeah. Chelsea, but that's the thing, right? And not to do the old cliche of, you know, it is a final and emotions do get the better, better of people. I do think that... Chelsea are probably better equipped for this. I think mentally they're they're all. Do you think the the no fans thing is going to influence this at all, or, or do you think the outcome will still be the outcome? You two now. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it matters. I think yeah. the players at this point should be adjusted. Um, I think it would just be a case of on the day, whatever happens, happens. Right. Yeah. I don't think. I think it would be weird lifting a trophy in front of no one. 
Um, Liverpool. Ask Liverpool. I wonder, I wonder, yeah, I wonder if we'll have a dance show. Um, I look like the end of you know when uh, you know when they revamped Gladiators on Sky, and they had this big stadium, and it was awful. But they had this open stadium which they covered in black uh, netting to try and make it look less empty. And they made sure they'd done it everything at night. And all this pyro would be there, and the camera would zoom in, and you see this one person holding their thing they've won on Gladiators going, yeah. Woo! And then the camera would pan out, and it's no just an there. empty arena. <laughs> so it's, it looked like that. Lisa touches on how bad that was. Uh, true story. Me and Mike wrote an email to Sky to complain how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? <laughs> you got I've never wrote an email, email to anyone ever, but we were so offended by it. I <laughs> <laughs> thought this was a good idea. <laughs> and oh, I don't get me wrong. I'd love to, obviously, look. Um, you know, you might not have heard much positive things said from me or anyone on this pod in this episode about Liverpool. The you know, fact of the matter is they've been an excellent ambassador for the sport, incredible uh, team to watch this year. And, uh, you know, and, and hopefully it's the shortest reigns uh, title ship we'll ever see. But you can't take away from the fact they do deserve their moment in the sun. It's just that it was such a shame that it wasn't a moment in the sun. In fact, it was pitch black and uh, there was not even a soul to be seen to enjoy it with them. Has it ever happened before that a club has celebrated with photos of a trophy they won the season before? Have you not seen this? That they keep oh. dragging right. the Champions League trophy out with the Premier League right. like they won the double. And I'm like, you won that last year. Hey, if Jose like, Mourinho I, can claim he's he done a treble. I can't wait for our parade at, at Chelsea, mate. Get all of the fucking silverware out off the back of the bus. Look at us, we've won it all. Well, Kenny Dalgleish was waving it around, weren't he? He was just like, look, mate, I've done the double. <laughs> to be fair, man, it's the 30-year cap. <laughs> I always sound like I stick up for Liverpool, but, you know, they've seized the moment. They are still reigning champions, so fuck it, why not? Yeah, fuck it. Uh, they, they, look, I feel that we're in the modern era where uh, clubs are very aware of their social media, and I think that people know there's nothing better than piss boiling when it comes to social media and i do oh, think there's an awful awful lot of piss boiling that goes on with these things um you know it is part of it um credit to them. look they, they won the champions league they were the the best team in europe last year uh they were by far the best team in the premier league this year um I don't, I, the, the, my concern is I don't, I don't know how it stops and I've seen them link with that with Thiago and that fills me with horror because it at does, least the one but... thing about Liverpool this year is they played shit football they were fucking so boring to watch uh, but that boy uh, he can put on a bit of a show um, so I don't really want yeah. that but we all said Man City were going to be a dynasty for 10 years, right? Not too long ago. And I'm sure City will be back. I'm sure there's another club in Manchester that have got a thing to say about that as well. You know, we're going to be really fighting for that fifth spot. And um, there's <laughs> there's obviously lots of other things going on in the pike. So I don't... I Although I agree they are looking excellent, you know, so were City. And either someone will get better or someone's going to crack the code. It's difficult, isn't it? Because... I think both Chelsea and United look set to compete. And then it's like I look at the managers. And this is this it's the same with Chelsea because I, I don't know with Frank yet either. I, I appreciate that he's done a good job, but 66 points is shit. <laughs> and the amount of goals he conceded is shit. Uh, but he yeah, gives the benefit think, of the doubt. I think next season is the time when you start to judge. Lampard. I think it's for both of them. I think it's for both of them. The... Transfer windows. He's actually signed players this summer. He didn't have that last year. So. Top level players as well. Like the rope... 
for both of them, right, is there now. That's it. It's gone. It's now deliver. Um, they simply cannot be 33 points again. That's for both of them. I, I, I look at Klopp and I look at Pep and I go, they are arguably one and two in world football in terms of management. Yeah. Some yeah. I, I've been wrong on Zidane. I feel that I've been massively wrong on him. Um, he's he's shown that in uh, La Liga sure, this year. Yeah. I, I, there's an, um, this is it. He's delivered the title, hasn't he? I mean, ultimately, Barcelona have dominated that and Zidane turns up and wins it. Um, I still wouldn't put him in the Klopp and Pep um, bracket. I think those two are a step ahead. I don't know where Frank and I don't know uh, where Oli sit. Um, I don't know. Um, well, we're going to find I, out I, next I, year. I'll give you my opinion very quickly. I think Frank Lampard has got more potential than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Maybe that's because I've always been a bit anti Solskjaer since he's come in. I've, I've, I still feel like there's a little bit more leeway to give with Lampard. That's why I've said I'm willing to yeah. give him another season. There's more goodwill. Well, right Oli's not really a new manager. He's been around yeah. a bit, exactly. right? Yeah, he got relegated with Cardiff, didn't he? He did. Um, and and also, you've got Poch sitting in the wings constantly. That's the one, right? mate. I, I still. I still would have pulled the trigger. <laughs> like I would have been, oh, Ollie, you're such a good guy. Thank you very much. Uh, but seriously, you think we're going to basically let Poch sit on the sidelines and not bring him in? Um, that's not happening. Well, this would, is going to be a case, I think, for, for a lot of the top teams now, right? Um, is that he is literally like the, almost like the top gear car sitting behind them that they need to replace with, yeah, if you fuck up. So that's going to be an interesting <laughs> motivator. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you're 100% right, mate. Like, it, he will be in... One of those teams will start, or one of the teams will start badly next year, right? Let's say one of them does. And if he ain't taking the job, and by all accounts, he's waiting. Yeah. He's waiting for the right job. I, and I'm saying this about Frank as well. Like, if he starts really badly, the pressure gets up quickly on those jobs. Um, and if Pochettino's there, and although I know he's got the Tottenham links and everything, but if you offer him a squad that Chelsea have assembled, there's no way he's turning it down. And the money that will be available to spend inevitably um, at any of those clubs. Like, I, I don't want to sound like a Chelsea fan that's writing Frank off, by the way, but I'm just saying that. And I think Frank spoke better than that's realistic, right? With any, it, right? any pressure, because Frank was very much like it was sort of the bare minimum. And I think Ollie turned around and said, "You'll write me off," and I did it my way, and I proved you all wrong. And I was like, <laughs> sixty-six points. I mean, you, you've aged in and like a hundred years in the last two months, Ollie. <laughs> but uh, but don't worry, you're the winner in this scenario. Speaking of winners, lads, let's wrap this up. Let's hear your, your winners and chumps. Uh, or I'll far, I'll far away I'll go with my winner um, and I'm going to give it to, to Leighton Baines um, just because I didn't get to mention oh, sorry, it sorry I was going to bring him up yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we had the farewells earlier didn't we and um, obviously for me I, I, love, I love the bloke he's, uh, he's been a top top professional for, for Everton um, obviously he's, he's not an elite player but he, he, you know he's a very very good left back um, obviously the last two or three seasons you know his legs have gone pretty much but um, for, for what it is you know for for what he brought to Everton Football Club, mm. I, I love. Um, 420 games, 39 goals, and crucially 67 assists. He's got the most assists here, uh, by a Premier League defender. I'm sure Trent will be uh, taking that over in the near, not too distant future. But for now, he's got more more assists than any other Premier League defender. Um, and as we, um, Mike mentioned as well in, in the WhatsApp group, who can forget the uh, the wonderful tandem with uh, Stephen Pienaar as well, you know, bringing the, the joy down that left-hand side and uh, all the glory uh, as well. 
he also, for some reason, kept being linked with the Arctic Monkeys, weren't he, for a bit, in terms of, like, whenever they spoke about him, they'd be like, oh, he's a mod, isn't he? He's a bit like Paul Weller. He's the Paul Weller of football. Anyway, Arctic Monkeys, for some reason. Where you grew those sideburns like something... That you know. Oh, that was it. They'd always speak to Bradley Wiggins about him, wouldn't they? Hmm. They'd be like, oh, yeah, do you know Leighton Baines? No, do you think everyone with mutton chops knows each other or something? <laughs> but, you know, what a servant. And, uh, you know, he also... he was pretty good was he at Wigan for a bit like before he went to Evan it was pretty Couple good there, that's where he basically yeah, made his name for himself um, so what is he retiring or is he moving on somewhere <laughs> oh, it's happened again boys <laughs> <laughs> that's right boys <laughs> I think we've got one winner over there haven't we <laughs> this, 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 please, I don't know if you know, but this happened last year as well. <laughs> I, I remember back in 2005 as that as my ringtone. <laughs> about a month. <laughs> well, hey, I think we know who Woods's winner is. Uh, yeah, um, look, Chelsea, Manchester United, big winners. Um, they did the bare minimum. <laughs> But they ultimately did do the bare minimum. Um, both clubs needed it. I know that, we, I think we spoke last week, that um, a lot of the business shouldn't depend on having Champions League football. You don't want players that just want to play Champions League football. And I, I, I do believe that Jaden Sancho and Kai Havertz would have moved regardless. It's just about the funds as much as anything. And ultimately, those clubs need to be paying at the biggest competitions. And um United have been out of it for a couple of years, right? I'm, I can't remember. Yeah, we got. No, what am I talking about? You had uh, Oli. Oli was in there last year, wasn't he? Because he had the game against Paris, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. So it was only the one. Yeah, year. but uh, uh, yeah, actually, good point. But uh, it's um, makes me feel like it's twenty twenty eight. It feels like a long time ago. It's 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 a big deal. Um, it does add an extra layer of pressure because, um. I remember watching most of our Champions League games from behind the sofa because it was fucking terrifying watching Chelsea try and play in against some, uh, against Ajax and Valencia. We're not even talking about the top level teams who obviously buy and blew us away. So it, it ratchets up a notch. You know, it feels good right now, but it certainly can um, feel pretty terrible by the time we come around to playing the games. But yeah, Chelsea and Manchester United are both winners in the sense that they've, um, got the job done. And your chumps. Not in forest. In <laughs> the mud, mate. Are you kidding me? In oh my word! Like what was it? Better, isn't it? In terms of the, they're in the playoffs for whatever it was, pretty much the whole season. The whole season, and going into the last game, what they were three points clear and a goal difference of seven. Right, mm. safe. Swansea aren't going to cut, and then basically in the last moments, and we're talking about what the ninety-sixth minute. It was, and all of a sudden, Swansea are playing in the playoffs for a spot in the premiership and Forrest are watching from their sofas and, and crucially as well Swansea won the other night didn't they they win 1-0 1-0 against Brentford yeah, yeah for what so, I still fancy Brentford to, to go through yeah Brent, like Brentford have got to refine themselves quickly they've been on a bit of a slide but oh. well, 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 well Brentford Look, Brentford went on a massive winning run and then lost their last two games. Lost, and then like, the, they for, lost so, the last two, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. like, this is what I mean. They've got to find themselves in the sense that they've lost those games in a row. They need to now kind of get back to their winning run that they had. Um, there'll be a lot of interested Premier League teams that are going to be watching that Brentford game for Ben Rama because um, he's obviously highly sought of. Um, 
but yeah, Forest another team with a new stadium as well. Yes, yes, which could be in the Premier League still. I think they're the team that I'd like to see up for what it's worth. I'd like to see Brentford up, but um, Forest, <laughs> ouch! Bottom All right, Lee, give us a chump. My chump is me. Um, basically, uh, uh, fantasy football this this last week, this last game week, went fucking horrific for me. Like I can't describe how bad it was. Michael had already won the league. Congratulations, Michael, by the way. Um, but I, I was going for a plucky second place. I was two points off second, and I was crucially I was fifty points clear of fourth. So top three guaranteed. I've almost done. Oh, Brandon, what have you done? I've literally, I've had the worst game week in the world. I've had like 30, I think I've got 32 points or something like that. And I dropped to fourth and I'm, it just ruined my day. I was sitting, I was just like, I can't believe I was going for second and I've somehow ended up in fourth when I was 50 points clear. So yeah, my chump is just me because I was that fucked off. What about you, Flint? Oh, so I obviously got to go with Ollie. Um, he's done just enough um, on that perspective. I also think Lam- Frank Lampard, look, the guy's derby manager, 12 months ago and he's now <laughs> weird, right? he's now a Champions League he can say on his CV he is going to be in the Champions League and probably going to be winning an FA Cup so I think that pips Frank just over Roddy from that perspective in terms of my chump it is the Watford board uh, you <laughs> you've set yourselves up for failure chaps and uh Hopefully you'll be back again at some point. I know a lot of Watford fans, a lot of good people in Watford as well. So um, I really hope for their fans. Interesting one on Watford. Do you know where they finished last year? I can't remember. 11th. How the fuck have they got relegated? And it all goes back. It's funny how a moment can change everything. And that moment is last year's FA Cup final where they got fucking annihilated. They lost, what, 8-0 in the Cup final to Man City? No, it wasn't that bad, was it? It was something like that. It was 6 0. 6 0? I just 8 0 in the league. I think they lost 8 0 in the league. 8 0 in the league, 6 0 in the cup final. And yeah, then they got okay. beaten 5 0. Was it the other? No, that was someone else, actually, wasn't it? But yeah, they've, they've they been got beaten 4 0 by City. Yeah. But like, I kind of feel that's the catalyst for this all, right? They had a pretty poor end to the season, um, I think, once they got to the cup final. Because they were doing all right, and then they got to the cup final, dropped off, got spanked in the cup final, and then were terrible at the start of the season. And that's ultimately what's led them to where they are. Um, it's, it's yeah, but you're right. The board have badly bungled it. The, the madness mm-hmm. of sacking a manager and bringing back the previous manager. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's ludicrous, isn't it? That was where you get Sam Allardyce in. Let's not fuck around here, boys. Sam Allardyce, speed dial. The second he goes, we're like, we're yeah. in trouble. Get that we pint of wine out. Exactly. <laughs> get the pint, pint of wine of ready. Wine. And Sam would have been there. It's almost like the bat signal, except it's a bit blurry. <laughs> um, so anyway, boys, we are well at time. Let's call it full time. Uh, chaps, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you have a Twitter account. I think people should be following it. Woods, can you tell them the handle? At pod of two halves. Yeah, you're right. There we go. Nailed Beautiful. it. If you, if you like what you've listened to, click on that subscribe button and that you'll keep getting content from they, these lovely, lovely chaps. But before we let you sign off, though, Flint, firstly, thank you for doing such an incredible job. I, I imagine there's a man in Spain that's probably sweating a bit more than he was previously. <laughs> Um, what Rafa Benitez? <laughs> uh, but also, obviously, you do have an extremely good podcast for uh, film lovers and just basically lovers of podcasts anywhere to listen to. Oh, thanks, chap. So, yeah, I, I host a podcast called Talk Filmy to Me. Uh, I think most of you, 
other than Lee, oh, this is awkward, have been on it at some point <laughs> or other. <laughs> uh, we talk about films and everything we love and hate and all that sweet fandom in between. If you're interested, check us out on Twitter at Talk Filmy to Me or on any good podcasting service, type in Talk Filmy to Me, you'll find out a bunch of filmy stuff. Uh, so this is me temporarily hosting duties, signing off, wash your hands, keep your distance, wear a mask and stay safe. Adios. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.